Hi folks, and welcome to this episode of Sparkles for Better Mental Health, Personal Growth in Five Dimensions. I'm Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm extremely happy to have Caroline Hawkey at the call. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here today. Now, Caroline's motto is that we should drink less to live more and feel better. So tell us all about that, please, and how you became the person you are today. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I grew up in a household where everybody drank, just like people blow out birthday candles at a birthday party kind of a thing. It was just kind of always around us. It wasn't a bad, I mean, my parents loved us and there was nothing kind of juicy, no juicy stories to tell necessarily, but it was definitely part of how I grew up. And as a little one, I interpreted that as this is what adults do, adults drink. And, you know, as we become teenagers and we want to become independent, then that's certainly what I started doing along with a lot of my peers. Um, everything was pretty much the same as everyone else. Um, until there were a couple events in my life, my my husband had some health issues. My brother died of suicide and I started utilizing, I started drinking a little bit more than I had in the past. I used it as a crutch, which everybody in society would tell you that's what you do. Watch any TV show. They come home from work and they have pour a glass of drink they pour a glass of whatever, or they go to the bar after a tough day at work. It's very much ingrained in our culture. Um, I got to the point where everything was great, on the outside, I continued to perform and excel at work, all that kind of stuff. But I felt like my internal kind of nudge was that I felt like I was driving with the emergency brake on. I knew it could be better. And I also was very much aware of the AA and rehab models. My brother had been in AA. I, you know, I've had a number of family members, people that I know that are that have used that and it's worked great for them. That was not appropriate for me. I knew that that wasn't appropriate for me. And I didn't know that there was anything else in between. So in the meantime, and I think that there's very low awareness that there is help available for people that fall within this gray area drinking spectrum. And so I found a coach who was talking about stop over drinking. And I said, ding, 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 that's it. I don't want to stop drinking. I just want to stop the overing part. Oh. And so I started working with her um, and that really introduced me to the whole idea of mindset work um, and how impactful that can really be on our lives. And so at the time I was in global marketing, I was for a fortune 100 company. I had done that for over 22 years and um, I when COVID hit, I, I decided that it was just time to make a change. It was time to kind of close that chapter and start something new. And so I have been, I've been working with women who want to change their relationship with alcohol since then. Yeah, I love that because this is really a less known solution yeah. that you actually can stop that over drinking, that you don't have to drink the whole bottle and you can if you're not a very hardcore alcoholic, you can actually reduce it if you yep. want to. Yep. And I love the idea that you're pushing the focus on mindset shifts because mm -hmm. really that is the most important part. 
Mm-hmm. Now let me ask you, you said you started during COVID. Now COVID had a devastating effect on many people. Yes. Uh, what was your experience with alcohol and women? Yeah. So I, I'm going to back up just a little bit. My, I started this work with myself in 2016. My last hangover was in August of 2016. Um, and then I, as I got more and more into it, I really saw the benefits in my own life. Um, I just, I continued to, to kind of do it on the side, just personally. And then when COVID hit, I decided to take it further become a coach and, and help others because it'd been so impactful for me to answer your question. What did COVID do for drinking? Actually, American women, uh, reported 41% more heavy drinking days during COVID. Mm-hmm. And we see it everywhere. We see it all across the world. I work with clients all over the world. And so they the impact has been devastating, honestly. Yeah, it does. And it's not just alcohol, but many people turn to marijuana or even harder drugs and yep. pills. And I don't yep. think it was very helpful in the end. Now, let me ask you, you talk a lot, a lot about the effects of alcohol and negative effects. And does alcohol have any positive effects? Is it helpful to just wind down with a glass of wine in the evening? Or would you say, oh, no, no, it's not helpful? Um, it's helpful for about 15 minutes. <laughs> Um, but in total, no, because then, you know, what happens is the body tries to get back to homeostasis. And so it actually increases cortisol in our bodies. Uh, so we, we do have kind of romantic, a romantic idea that it helps and it does, I will, you know, for a first couple of minutes, it does help for those first couple of minutes. Um, I like to work with my clients on finding ways that, help them relax because everybody needs to relax. Good Lord. In our day, in our world today, we all need to relax. We definitely do, but let's find ways that help us feel good afterwards. Mm. Now, when you say it that way, the question pops up, why should anyone drink alcohol at all? Yeah. That's not for me to decide. (laughs) What are reasons (laughs) that people want to continue to drink a little bit? Um, they vary. Um, most of the time, typically what happens is a lot of people will come in and say, I just want to be able to drink on the weekends. I want to be able to drink when I go out. I want to stop using it as like this pull of, I have to drink. I've had a terrible day. I have to drink, like make it go away. And so we start working on that and, and, and that a lot of people are very happy with that. They want to continue drinking. They want to have a glass of wine with their dinner, with their meal as they socialize. Fantastic. You know, and, and that, that does serve some good purposes. So it's really up to the individual. It's certainly not up to me. I, I understand that. Now, let me ask you, you sometimes talk about getting rid of the shitty part of drinking. What do you mean by that? Oh, that's again, that's up to them. That's up to them. So I will not dictate. I believe that everybody knows within themselves what is the right level. And they have just gotten used, you know, they've gotten into this habit. This is what they are used to doing. And they've gotten out of touch with what that inner wisdom is telling them. And so that's really what I help help them get back in touch with what's right for them. That's interesting. Now, let me ask you, how does a woman especially know that she's really drinking too much and it's time to cut down and drink a little less. 
Yeah. Um, that is, that is so individual. Um, what happens for me, what I typically see is, um, that they're tired of waking up at 3am and, you know, either being upset with themselves for having had too much to drink or kind of wondering how the end of that show went, how did that show finish off last night? Or, you know, maybe it's the next day and the kids say something to them and they're like, I don't, I don't totally, it's a little bit fuzzy or they just feel groggy in the morning. They have that similar feeling of feeling like they're driving with the emergency brake on. They make bad food choices because everybody knows you need a greasy hamburger when you're not feeling great. I don't know why that's the case, but the first time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what happens? Serotonin in the brain. So it does help uh, on the short term. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, In the short term. And then what happens so often is that like you kind of drag through the day and then you need a glass of wine because you've had such a bad day because of the wine before the night before, you know? So it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle. So what would be your top 10 tips for women that want to drink less and still drink a little bit in social occasions, but not really be hooked on it and have to hide the bottle behind the counter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually, I don't work with anybody who has has had somebody talk to them about their drinking. I really work with those women. I work with type A high performers who are used to, you know, succeeding in pretty much everything they touch. And then what happens so often is that they've got high standards and they'll say, okay, I'm not going to drink this weekend or whatever. And it doesn't go the way that they planned. And then they get angry with themselves and that negative self-talk starts. And yeah, it's really easy to hit that easy button, make that go away with another glass of wine. So the first thing that I would recommend in terms of tips on, you know, where to start is start plan the night before. Don't plan, you know, like a generic, I'm only going to have two glasses, plan the night before and really sit down and think about it. Most of the time we are going out with the same people. We're going to the same place. We eat a lot of the same things. We have a lot of the very similar conversations. So we actually can visualize these things. We can predict what's going to happen. And when we think about what's going on and really plan on that 24 hours in advance, then we're doing that with our prefrontal cortex. We're doing it with the executive function. It's not an urge response. It's not that primitive teenage brain going, oh, come on, it's, you know, it's a beautiful day. Let's go out and have cocktails on the, uh, on the deck. And so that's really important, that, that first step. Be really conscious of why am I choosing to do this? And most of the time, because you've taken that urge out of it, you're really planning from more of an executive function part of the brain. Mm -hmm. So that's one step. Then before you go out, really look at that plan again. Just sit with it just for a minute, 30 seconds, whatever it is. Recommit to that. Recommit to that, not because of the number of drinks on the plan. That doesn't really matter. Recommit to it because you want to become a woman who can take it or leave it, who isn't you know, kind of whipping, being whipped around by her urges. That higher order benefit is really compelling. Hmm. Now, what other say coexisting conditions do you happen in women that have this issue with the over drinking? 
Um, what other issues do they have? Or is it just the over drinking or do they tend to eat too much and can't just stop or yeah, yeah. Uh, drive too fast? Or? They, um, I mean, typically overeating, over drinking, over scrolling, whatever it is, that's an under feeling issue. That's a, I know how to do this in order to not feel this. And let's, Let's face it, like in our society today, we are not encouraged to feel our feelings. We are encouraged to shove them down. Everybody, we, we pathologize emotions, particularly for women in the workplace. I mean, you cannot let them see you cry. That is like career suicide. We believe that, that, that it is, right? There's, there's this belief that. So we learn to do that. We learn to put on masks. We learn how all these coping mechanisms and so one of the aspects and one of the things that I work with my clients with, not that I'm going out and selling this, but the reality is when we can learn how to feel our feelings rather than buffering them away, then we don't need all the coping mechanisms. Because at the end of the day, those coping mechanisms that we've created, that we built around us are actually doing more harm than feeling the damn feelings to begin with. Yeah, that's a good point. So... Uh, when somebody comes to you and says, well, I really want to drink less and I'm so frustrated that I just uh, have to have that drink, even though I don't really want it, what do you do? So we start with, by the time somebody comes to me, they've tried a bunch of different things. These are smart, successful women. They've, they're, you know, they know how to get things done. So they're very frustrated. Their self-trust is pretty low at that point. So we start by rebuilding that. We start by really emphasizing those tools that drink plan, you know, following our urges, all those things. And then that helps to kind of rebuild that trust. And typically that takes about a month. And then after about a month, then they all say, okay, I'm feeling pretty comfortable here. It's like, I've got my sea legs. Now it's time to kind of start reducing the number of drinks that are on my drink plan. And so at that point, then we start really addressing the urges and the feelings that are coming up and all that stuff and really addressing those in, in a different way. Because, mm. yeah, it's uncomfortable, but yeah. it's really uncomfortable to be angry with myself and to <laughs> to you know, beat myself up the next day, too. Absolutely. At least with the yeah. with the just sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You're, you're completely right. I, I totally agree. It's uh... yeah it's not a good idea when you drink and then the next day you beat you up. That doesn't make you feel good. So, right, right. and from there, where do you go? Yeah. And so then we move into kind of practicing those skills because there's a big difference between the aha moment of, yeah, I need to do this. I hear this all the time. I know better, but I'm not doing better. There's a, there's a huge difference between knowing it cognitively and like knowing it by heart. And that's the day in, day out, that practice, the very unsexy, like doing the plan, going out, messing up, figuring out what happened, doing a course correct, not beating yourself up, learning how to not beat yourself up. And like, and honestly, it sounds silly, but it really is a practice to be able to go back and do an evaluation from a place of compassion, from a place of curiosity. And that's, that takes practice. So all of it is practice. And so by the end of 12 weeks, then, you know, my clients typically, of course, your mileage may vary, but, um, <laughs> but they have a much better relationship with alcohol. 
I like that you say relationship with alcohol because that uh, defines in a way the relationship with themselves, doesn't it? Oh, uh, 100%. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So when you're working with your clients, besides coaching, which, by the way, is one of the most powerful change forces in the world, in my opinion, uh, what methods, if any, do you use with your clients? Yeah. Um, well, with coaching, I'm, I'm utilizing mindset work. We also do a little somatic work. Um, I've got a lot of tools that they'll work on. So from a behavioral standpoint, there are new practices that they'll start to utilize while they're addressing kind of the underlying beliefs that are in there. You know, the ones that I hear so often are, I won't have fun. Um, you know, I have to drink in order to have fun. So kind of unwinding that belief that it is, I mean, I know that I, I can speak to that very personally because that was certainly what I grew up to believe. Yeah, I, I saw it everywhere. And I think that all of us are inundated by it. I think that's a very common belief that when you're in a social situation, in order to have fun, you have to have a drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you think about it, alcohol is the only drug that we have to take in order to prove we don't have a problem with it. <laughs> that's a good thing. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. So if you, what happens if somebody says, no, thank you, do they get stigmatized? Oh, you're an alcoholic. Did you give it up? Did you have to give it up? That, I mean, all that stuff comes up. All that stuff comes oh, up. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, imagine, let's just substitute here. Imagine you're at a dinner party and somebody offers you some cocaine. Does yeah. anybody have any problem saying no to that? Not likely. Right, right, right. And yet with a glass of wine, it's like, oh my gosh. I've, I've had, I had a client once who told me that she didn't want people to think that she had a problem with alcohol. So when she went out one night, she told them that she was hungover and that's why she wasn't drinking. So think about that. Hmm. She didn't want them to think that she had a problem. So she told them that she was hungover from the night before. So hungover from the night before indicates that she has a problem. Great, great, great. I mean, you know, it's just, it is, it is so ingrained that they're going to think something, which is basically, you know, those are our own internal feelings. Those are our own internal thoughts. Those are the things that we've thought about other people. Now, it's quite interesting. Uh, in your experience, is that more common in the corporate world than in everyday life? Because I see parties where there's alcohol-free drinks offered just next to them and they look the same and people can pick and choose. So, mm -hmm. but I, I know from my son lives and works in the corporate world and they drink a lot. Mm -hmm. And I always ask them, why are you drinking? Well, everybody does. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's across the board. I, I work with clients in every single, every industry. So it's, it's everywhere. Everybody says, oh, it's much more, you know, it's pervasive in this particular industry. And everybody says that. So it's, I, I haven't noticed that there's more so one than the other. But I've talked to people when I talk about stress reduction and, and, and calming down that say to me, oh, I have no problems with stress. I use alcohol as my stress management system. Mm -hmm. and what do you say to people like that? Because it's <laughs> certainly not helpful to use it that way. <laughs> well, again, if they aren't having any negative effects, maybe it is okay. I mean, I'm not living in their head. I'm not living in their life. So I don't know, but 
with a little bit of probing, typically what comes up is there are negative effects. It's just, it's better for them to figure that out, right? Right. What what negative effects do they typically come out with when you do a little bit of probing? Uh, The common ones are not sleeping well. You know, the the negative self-talk is really, really, um, that's corrosive, honestly. Um, the, the weight gain from bad food choices, the, the relationship strains with others, with themselves, those are all, those are quality of life issues. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, another question you say the weight gain or some people drink to not eat. Yeah. And yeah. does it work <laughs> to drink, to not eat, drink instead of eat to lose weight. Oh, I, I haven't run across that one. <laughs> I, well, I, I heard that and uh, I thought it doesn't really make sense because no. I call it empty calories. So if uh, some people drink so much that they don't eat, but I think then they're really having a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't run across that one. So you talk about cravings in that mm-hmm. context. What would cravings consist of? So a craving is an urge that is, you know, this is what happens at this time of night. So for example, I like to, I like to pick on our cat named Ernie. Ernie is, he's 15 and he's an old guy. He's, he's the love of our family. Um, Ernie loved it when COVID first hit with the lockdowns, because we were all home all the time. And we all had our meals together all the time. And Ernie has been in this habit of he gets a treat after we have dinner. Well, Ernie was very confused because we had three meals now. And so Ernie was like expecting treats, three meals a day. Okay. Our primitive brain is doing the same thing as Ernie's doing. Right. It's actually very smart. It's actually like Ernie knows that he's going to get a little treat, just like our primitive brain knows that it's going to get a little dopamine when when we have wine i think right? our dog Odie heard you talk about your cat about Ernie, yeah <laughs> yeah but you're right the, the cat knows and he knows yeah the dopamine yeah. hit yeah 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 i mean in in it, it's in in so many respects your brain's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing hmm. i mean that is how our our species survived and, then, and some people have a craving for alcohol. Other people crave sweets or salt yes. and fatty food. Or other yes. people tend to have cigarettes, cocaine, marijuana. Right. It's a very interesting thing why people crave certain substances and others crave different. But they crave them because they've just gotten into that habit. If you think about a, a hiking trail, that hiking trail is really well worn. There's no, there's nothing in the way. There are no branches. There's nothing in the way. This is like, this is what we do. Ernie says the same thing when we go in the kitchen. He's like, this is what we do, people. I'm sitting right here, right next to my treat bowl. I'm waiting. <laughs> That's what your brain's doing. It so just knows to get the- say that it's, it's like a habit, a good old habit that is hard to break. It's a neural pathway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It is, um, it is an intense dopamine reward with repetition. And that creates desire. Absolutely. That, that is a neural pathway. So whether that be alcohol, whether that be scrolling, whether that be shopping, whether that be cigarettes, whatever it is, that's what it is. It's an intense dopamine re- reward, lots of repetition. 
and there's desire. So what do you help your, or how do you help your clients reduce or overcome those cravings? Yeah, yeah. So recognizing that desire is learned, we have to unlearn that desire. We have to unwind that desire, which means that we have to sit with that urge. We have to not reward that urge, which means that for Ernie, we don't give him a treat every single day after every single meal, even though he wants it. And he doesn't like it in the beginning. He was not very happy. Believe me. <laughs> I can imagine. Right, right. But that discomfort is actually worth it in the long run. Like you're getting something out of that discomfort. You're getting freedom on the other side. The freedom, that is what your clients want to achieve, right? Yeah, they want control over. They want to be the boss of alcohol again. They want to be able to take it or leave it. They want to, you know, not feel this pull. Yeah, they want to have control over their own destiny in their own life and not yeah. be controlled by some substance that right. they... Right. And I understand right. that because the power to choose empowers mm -hmm. us all. Yeah. So, so we talked to... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say about, you know, creating this desire for alcohol... What I talk with my clients with is let's create a desire for that freedom. Let's create a desire for that life that you're going to be able to live when you have a little more energy, when you have, um, yeah, like you have more time, you have more energy, you have like that oomph to like do these things that you want to do rather than sitting in front of the TV every night to just veg out, which again, I'm not, I'm not dissing vegging out in front of the TV. I, I, I would be a hypocrite if I said that. I just don't do it with wine. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, you can also snack on chips or chocolate. Or, an, or a glass of water. Yeah. I mean, do some knitting or do some yeah. yoko or something. Yeah. 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 So yeah, exactly. I, I love that. So that's really great. So if somebody listens to this show and they say, hey, that makes a lot of sense, what Carolyn says here. And I would like to conduct her and see what it would like to be with to work with her maybe yep. just turn down my my drinking a little bit how can they find you how can they contact yeah so i do have a free stop over drinking course on my website and it's um you don't have to show up at a certain time it's delivered via email which my clients really like <laughs> it's a diy kind of a thing um so that just gives them a taste for me for you know it gives them all the tools, all the really foundational tools that I wish that I had, that somebody could have like condensed and, and included in three, hmm. three courses. Um, and, and for a lot of people, that's enough. For a lot of people, they're like, this is exactly what I needed. I just needed a little course correction. I needed a little bit of support in order to do this. Because what, what happens so often, what I see so often is that if we go back to what I said initially, that we have really great awareness of AA and rehab. And for those people that don't fall within like that range, they, they just think that there's something wrong with them. And they think that they have to suffer in silence. And, and my mission really is just to say that don't, don't wait until it's a drinking problem. You can have a problem with your drinking without having a quote unquote drinking problem. Let's not wait until it's a drinking problem. If that little nudge within you is saying, hey, something's off here. Let's do something about that. 
because that's possible. Absolutely. So if that appeals to you, dear listener or watcher, Carolyn will now tell you where to go, where you can find the course and where you can contact her. Yeah, it's on my website. It's carolineholkecoaching.com. And I'll give you the links. It's um, Caroline is C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E, Holke, H-O-L-K-E, coaching, obviously. But I'll give you all the links and hopefully, you know, you'll include that in the show notes and everything. Absolutely. And I actually put the link to your website underneath this video for those who watch it on YouTube. Yeah. And it will be in the show notes in the podcast version. And it also will be, of course, on my website in your article about what you do. Perfect. Perfect. See that? And uh, anything else you want to say, a little tip to the end or anything you want to give your clients on the way? Your potential. Yeah, I just, I want to give everyone, um, everyone that's listening, if this has resonated for you, you know, there's absolutely, there's, there's definitely hope. There is so much hope and we can create desire for this life that you're going to have when you're free. That is, wow. that is so powerful it is just it's a wonderful it's a wonderful space to be in and you're speaking from experience and you can see that in your eyes and i always say you know when somebody overcame those challenges because that's what i call they sparkle mm-hmm. <laughs> so they yeah doing that and helping others to achieve the same freedom empowerment and feeling that they finally are in control of their life that's yeah. one so thank you for being on the show today, Caroline. And that thank is you. the end of today's Sparkles for Mental Health, uh, show growth in five dimensions. Feel free to subscribe and follow us uh, and don't miss the next show. Bye-bye. When you combine modern science, ancient wisdom, nature experience and love, magic happens. I'm Dr. Christine Sauer, physician, naturopath, coach, human. It feels like magic to my clients and their lives are transformed through the skills combination of natural and human sciences, ancient philosophies and caring human-to-human interaction. Discover this kind of modern wizardry and let's prepare powerful healing potions together. Come and enter our wonderful world of wellness.